Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to harvest.org. Pastor Greg Laurie is leading our study of the turmoil of the Great Tribulation. But we'll see today there's good news amidst all the bad. These are dark times coming in the tribulation period. But in the midst of this darkness, God is going to raise up two bright lights. We call them the two witnesses. Two men that will be raised up by the Lord to minister truth to people for three and a half years. Now, who are they? This is the day when the lost are Along for a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, speaker of the Harvest Crusades, coming to Angel Stadium in Southern California a week from Sunday. Find out how an unbelieving friend or loved one can hear a gospel message that can change their life. Details at harvest.org/socal. But today, Pastor Greg brings a compelling study of Bible prophecy. We are examining God's end times plan as recorded in the final book of the New Testament. In our series on the book of Revelation, we are now officially at the halfway point here in chapter 11. And by the way, there is a shift in the narrative that takes place in the book now. Let's compare it to a movie. It's sort of like John has been watching a movie, if you will. He is there on the island of Patmos where he's banished for his faithful proclamation of the gospel. The Lord comes to him and gives him the revelation, the unveiling of the future, the unveiling of heaven and the supernatural worlds so are always sort of catapulted into the future. And, and up to this point, John's been an observer. He just tells us what he sees, what he observes. But all of a sudden, he goes from an observer to a participant. So coming back to the movie analogy, maybe you have a favorite film and you've wished you could be that person. Uh, the main character that you connect to and, and you ask yourself, what would I do if I was facing the circumstances that they're facing? So here's John watching this scene unfold before him and all of a sudden he's in the story. He's right there as a participant in it. As we come to Revelation chapter 10, a powerful angel appears to John and gives him a little scroll. We could call it a little book. And the angel says, I want you to eat the book. Eat the scroll. <laughs> Interesting request. And so he eats the little book or the scroll and it's sweet going down and then it's bitter. It gives him a stomachache. Uh, it's sort of like when you go to Krispy Kreme donuts. They're great going down. You know, I think my record is six of them. By the way, they're a little smaller, so don't judge me. And I've eaten six, washed them down with some cold milk. And they're great going down, but a little bit later, oh, what was I thinking? So here's John. He eats a scroll or little book, so to speak. It's sweet at first, and then it's bitter. And this scroll most likely was the message that was to be delivered. And it was a message of 
judgment to the people. So let's pick the story up now in Revelation chapter 11 verse 1. John writes, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. This is John saying, it was given to me. And the angel that stood there said, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there, but leave out the court which is outside the temple. Don't measure it, for that's been given to the Gentiles. And they'll tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they'll prophesy 1,260 days, clothes and sackcloth. By the way, that's three and a half years. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemy. And if anyone wants to harm them, they must be killed in this manner. They have power to shut heaven so no rain falls. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood. And they strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Interesting. Chapter 11 of the book of Revelation opens with a mention of the city of Jerusalem. Think about this. This was written some 2,000 years ago. And John is telling us that the end times events are going to revolve around the city of Jerusalem. So here we are, as usual, the Middle East, Israel, and specifically Jerusalem, is in the news. Jerusalem, ironically, means the city of peace. Yet more wars have been fought at her doorstep than any other city in the entire world. But Jerusalem would be at the center of the end times events. In Zechariah 12.3, it says, On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered together against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations, and all who try to move it will injure themselves. Uh, but for this prophecy that we're reading about now to be fulfilled, some things have to take place. One has taken place, the others haven't. Number one, Jerusalem has to be in Jewish hands, and it is. But that didn't happen until quite recently. In fact, it was the Six-Day War in June of 1967 that Jerusalem came once again under the control of the Jewish people living in their homeland of Israel. Uh, secondly, the third temple must be rebuilt because John is describing a temple. There is no Jewish temple in Jerusalem today. Uh, the first and second temples are gone. They have not rebuilt the third one. And so here this is something that still has to happen in the future. But what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that this coming world leader known as the Antichrist will help the Jews rebuild their temple and then he will desecrate it. And this is called the abomination of desolation which happens at the halfway point of the seven year tribulation. Remember the great tribulation period starts peacefully as Antichrist or the beast emerges on the scene with uh, overtures of uh, peace and, and treaties that are signed and actually are followed for a certain period of time. A new economic system no man can buy or sell without his mark. I'll get into that when we come to Revelation chapter 13. So he rebuilds a temple, but here's what Jesus said about it in Matthew 24 verse 15. When you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let them that are in Judea 
flee to the mountains. Pray that your flight would not be on Sabbath day, for then great tribulation will come upon the world that has not seen it since the beginning of time, nor ever shall be. So what is the abomination of desolation? Here's what it is. Antichrist rebuilds a temple, but then he erects an image of himself and commands people to worship it, so he desecrates the temple, showing his true colors. Commenting on this in Second Thessalonians 2.4, we read these words, Antichrist opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or is worshiped, so he is as God, sitting in the temple of God, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and pretended miracles. All of them are lying wonders. So any movement toward rebuilding the third temple should be observed and noted by the Bible student. And it would seem to me that this event of the rebuilding of the temple would happen in the early part of the tribulation period. And before that can happen, the church must be caught up to meet the Lord. Yes, it's through peace that Antichrist is going to deceive people. Uh, there's a great cry in our world today, peace at any cost. People don't want any more wars. We want globalism. No walls, no borders. Uh, this is a cry of so many. Even if tyranny reigns or people are oppressed, uh, or freedom is taken away. We want to have peace, people say. Well, Antichrist will give them what they want. In First Thessalonians 5.3 it says, When they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them as a woman ready to give birth. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. We're back. SoCal Harvest. Very exciting. You want to go? Join us Sunday, October 3rd at Angel Stadium of Anaheim. Pastor Greg Laurie will bring a message of hope and music of hope for, for King and Country. And Phil Wickham. SoCal Harvest, October 3rd, 7 p.m. at Angel Stadium of Anaheim. To me, I feel it's a, it's a snapshot of heaven. SoCal Harvest with Greg Laurie. Details, harvest.org slash SoCal. Pastor Greg is presenting an eye-opening series in Revelation. Today, we're in chapter 11, and he goes into much more detail in his new book, A Commentary on Revelation. Details later on, or get them now at harvest.org. These are dark times coming in the tribulation period. But in the midst of this darkness, God is going to raise up two bright lights. We call them the two witnesses, two men that will be raised up by the Lord uh, to minister truth to people for three and a half years. Now, who are they? They're not identified by name, but I think we might be able to figure out who they might be. Look at Revelation uh, eleven six. It says they have power to shut heaven, so no rain falls on the day of their prophecy. They have power over waters to turn them to blood. And they can strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. By the way, that would be kind of a cool superpower to strike with plagues when you desire. You know, someone cut you off in the freeway. It's like, okay, I'm sending you a plague. Your car will be filled with frogs. <laughs> I, that would be a bad thing to do. They won't do anything like that, of course. But they can stop rain, turn water into blood, strike the earth with plagues, and bring fire from heaven. Well, two guys come 
to my attention and that would be Moses and Elijah. Of course Moses was the one that touched his uh, staff to the Nile River and it turned to blood. Uh, Moses was the one that brought plagues upon Egypt uh, through the power of God. Elijah was the one that said it would not rain, but according to his word, Elijah was the one who called fire down on Mount Carmel in his contest with the prophets of Baal. So needless to say, you wouldn't want to mess with these people. There's a story in Second Kings about Elijah, there was a new king who took the place of King Ahab and, and he fell out of his bed effectively and was injured. And so he sent his servants to go to the prophet of the false gods to get some direction. And they encountered the prophet Elijah. And he said, what are you guys doing? Why are you going to some false temple? Is there not a God in Israel that can speak to you? So they go back to the king. They said, king, we were running your errand. We ran into this guy that said this. And the king said, what did he say? He said, wasn't there not a God in Israel that you can call on? The king said, what did he look like? They said, well, king, he was sort of hairy. Ah, the king says, it's Elijah. And so he says, go get Elijah. So a captain with 50 soldiers goes and finds Elijah sitting up on, on a little hill. And he says, the king says, come down immediately, O man of God. Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Hmm. Guess what? Elijah was a man of God. <laughs> They're torched. Now a second captain of 50 comes and says, Oh man of God, the king wants you to come down right now. Elijah says, If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 soldiers. And again the fire fell. Third guy comes along, also with 50 soldiers. Says, Oh man of God, uh, I'm a family man. Here's some pictures of my family. Pretty please come down. The Lord says go down with him. But my point is you didn't want to mess with a prophet like this. So the Lord has brought Elijah back. By the way, Elijah never died. Elijah was caught into a chariot of fire. As you will recall, some think one of the witnesses might be Enoch who also did not die. We don't know with certainty, but my opinion is it's probably Moses and Elijah. One other detail on that. Remember when Jesus was transfigured, two prophets appeared with him. Who were they? Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. Well, we read that uh, in verse six, they have the day of their prophecy. Now, prophecy uh, in the New Testament does not always refer exclusively to predicting the future. Its primary meaning is to speak forth or to proclaim or to preach. So effectively these two witnesses are going to preach the gospel and bring God's truth to people for three and a half years and they're under divine protection. No one can stop them. Enter the Antichrist. Look at Revelation 11 verse 7. When they finish their testimony, you might underline that phrase, when they finish their testimony, the beast, by the way, this is the first time he's referred to as the beast. The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. Well, we know the city is Jerusalem. That's where Jesus was crucified. The beast, or the Antichrist, uh, strikes out at these two prophets and he succeeds. But notice it's not until they have finished their 
testimony. It looks like these two witnesses have been in God's witness protection program up to this point. And by the way, you are too. You will not die a day before the appointed day that God has selected. And we're indestructible, as I've said to you before, until we're finished with what God has called us to do. So Antichrist kills the two witnesses and lays their bodies in the streets of Jerusalem for the whole world to see. Uh, look at verse nine, uh, Revelation 11. Those from the tribes and peoples and tongues see the dead bodies for three and a half days and, uh, and he will not allow their bodies to be put into graves. So Antichrist is so angry at these two prophets who have spoken up fearlessly for the truth. He lays their bodies out on display, effectively desecrating them, and the whole world is watching. I read a book, a commentary from a 100 years ago, and the commentator was wondering how this could ever happen. He said, how could all of the world see something at the same time? Well, we know the answer today because we have something called a cell phone and we carry them around in our pockets. 96% of Americans have cell phones and I read that 17 billion mobile devices will be in use by 2024. So you can pretty safely say most people either have a cell phone or they have access to a cell phone. So it seems to me like uh, these prophets are laying there in the streets and everyone can watch them. They can observe them. Uh, maybe everybody will have free internet at that time. Maybe the Antichrist will bring free Wi-Fi for everyone. <laughs> Who knows? But listen, this gets even stranger. Verse 10. The people take the tragic death of these two men of God and turn it into this twisted celebration. Look at what it says. Those that dwell in the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another uh, because the two prophets that tormented them who dwelt on the earth. Tormented them. How did the two prophets torment them? They just told them the truth. Well, the truth is tormenting to people who don't want to hear it. Just try speaking up for what is right. Try quoting the Bible to a group of people that don't believe it. They'll say, stop. We don't even want to hear it. Who are you to say this to us? Why are you judging us? And uh, they don't want to hear it at all. Going back to that uh, little scroll or book that John was told to eat. It, it was sweet and then it turned bitter. You know, the Word of God is sweet to the Christian, but it's bitter to the non Christian. But it's interesting that the people accuse the prophets of tormenting them. That is what King Ahab said to Elijah when he approached him. He says, oh, here's the one who troubles Israel. <laughs> Elijah didn't trouble Israel. The king did. And they reaped the consequences of their sins. The ironic thing is people will break God's commandments face the consequences that come with breaking those commandments and they get angry at God about it. And uh, so this gets even stranger. They're giving gifts to one another. It's like an upside down Christmas. 
it's sort of an anti-Christmas, you know. You have Christmas and it's anti-Christmas. They'll sing, we wish you an anti-Christmas. We wish you an anti-Christmas. Or maybe they say, happy dead prophet's day. I got you this gift. And they're celebrating it. It's like a party. Everyone just having a great time, you know. Partying away. All the prophets are dead. We don't have to listen to them anymore. Then God interrupts their party. Look at verse 11. After the three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them and they stand on their feet. So everyone's watching. It's on screens. It's in the bars. It's in the homes. Everyone's laughing, having a great time. Look at them laying there dead. And all of a sudden, they stand up again and everybody freaks out. In fact, we read that the people were afraid. They were afraid. Great fear fell upon them. And then there's a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they ascend to heaven in a cloud. And their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake. And a tenth of the city fell in the earthquake. 7,000 people were afraid. And the rest were afraid. And gave glory to the God of heaven. This reminds me a lot of the story of Belshazzar. In the Old Testament book of Daniel. Belshazzar was a young man who ascended to the throne. He had no interest in following the God that had humbled his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar. And in fact Nebuchadnezzar came to faith and believed in God and proclaimed it to his whole kingdom. But Belshazzar, the boy king, he just wanted a party. So one day he had the bright idea of taking those special uh, instruments and cups and plates and such that were used by the Jews in their worship of God. He said, hey, let's fill them with wine and let's worship our false God. So he had all these people gathered together. They're having a big party mocking God. They were going out of their way to mock God. Listen to me. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Are you mocking God? That is a really bad idea. Because as Belshazzar is mocking the Lord and having a great old time, all of a sudden the Bible says suddenly a hand appeared writing on the plaster of the wall. And it wrote these words, many, many, tekel, eupharsin, which means you've been weighed in the balances and you've been found lacking. And I love the verse that describes the king's reaction. Daniel 5, 6 says, when he saw that, his face turned pale with fright and his knees knocked together in fear and his legs gave way beneath him. So imagine he was just terrified. See, so the party was over and one day the party's gonna be over for a lot of people who have rejected Jesus Christ. Important words of warning today from Pastor Greg Laurie. Currently here on A New Beginning, we're considering the difficult days coming during the Great Tribulation. And Pastor Greg will have more insight as this study continues. But listen, if you missed any part of today's portion of our Revelation series, you can hear what you missed by going online to harvest.org. Just look for the study called How to Overcome the Devil or any of our previous studies. Or subscribe to our podcast by going to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. 
And then we want to mention Pastor Greg's new book that springs from this series. It's called Revelation, A Book of Promises. You know, Pastor Greg, some people have a rather cloudy understanding of prophecy. You know, they're not sure of the terms. And and some prophecy is just so rich in symbolism that they wonder where they can get a decoder ring. (laughs) You remember decoder rings? I do. Do you ever have a decoder ring? I don't know if I ever got one, but I was very aware of them and I wanted one. Do you have an extra? (laughs) Well, for for your gift of any size. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So is your book... Sort of a literary decoder ring, as it were, for uh, for all of us to understand what revelation means and how we're supposed to employ that insight today? Yeah, you know, I think that's a good description. You know, my objective as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, as an evangelist, is make things understandable to people. I don't see any value in speaking over someone's head and using theological terminology that people don't understand. The Bible says of Jesus, the common people heard him gladly, which simply means regular rank-and-file people understood what Jesus was talking about. So the book of Revelation, this is a book many people are fascinated by, but it's also a book many people are mystified by. And there is a decoder ring, or as I describe it early in the book, a password a password or an encryption key that will help you understand the book of Revelation, and it's found right in the first chapter. I think you're going to be surprised by how understandable this great book of the Bible is. I write in a way, well, it's as though we're just sitting down over a cup of coffee, and we're just reading the verses together, and we're talking about them together, and I'm trying to explain to you with simple analogies and other scriptures, commentating on scripture, and showing you how these great truths apply to you. So it's in a brand new book that just came out. And I'm very excited about it. And I want our listeners to have a copy. Again, it's called Revelation, A Book of Promises. And we'll send it to you for your gift of any size. Now, some can only give a little. We'll send one to you. Some can give more. Of course, we'll send one to you. But whatever your gift is, large or small, we will use it to continue to teach the Word of God and proclaim the gospel. So get your copy of Revelation, A Book of Promises and we'll rush it to you. Yeah, that's right. It's brand new. Be one of the first to own a copy of this new hardcover commentary from Pastor Greg. Hey, Dave, let me jump in really quick. And not only are we offering this new book, Revelation, a book of promises, but we have this really cool graphic bookmark that we have put together that gives you a timeline of end times events. So you probably wondered, okay, I know I've heard about the rapture and the tribulation period and the Antichrist and the second coming. What happens when? Well, this very beautiful little visual bookmark sort of lays it out for you. That's included in the book you're talking about right now. Yeah, that's right. So we hope you'll get in touch today and ask for Revelation, A Book of Promises. We'll send it to say thank you for your donation. Just address a letter to A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or call us anytime 24 hours a day at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. 
And then be sure to join us a week from Sunday for SoCal Harvest at Angel Stadium, Pastor Greg's first live evangelistic event since the pandemic. On October 3rd, he welcomes Phil Wickham and for King and Country and presents a powerful gospel message. If you're here in Southern California, be sure to join us in person and, of course, bring someone who needs to meet the Lord. Elsewhere, be sure to tune in online and invite someone who needs to meet the Lord to watch along with you. You can get all the details at harvest.org slash SoCal. Well, next time, Pastor Greg brings us more from Revelation 11 and 12 and his message, How to Overcome the Devil. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Sign up for daily devotions and learn how to become a Harvest Partner at harvest.org.